Hey, welcome everybody. Good to have you out this morning on this sunny, sunny day. But this morning what we're going to do is we're going to dive into probably the, the single biggest issue uh, that people have that, that keeps them away from, from God. And that's the, the issue, the problem of pain and suffering. A lot of people uh, don't want don't to push into God, don't want to put their faith and trust in Him because of that. A lot of people have, have this question about how can there be a good God and how can there be pain and suffering. And it, it's this barrier that keeps a lot of people away from, from God. When I was a teenager, I saw two of my best friends. Both of them were brothers. Both of them had had this encounter with God. Um, I saw both these guys walk away from God after their older sister, who was about young, early 20s, she uh, was, was giving birth and, and uh, lost her life in the process. These two guys said, okay, enough of this, God. We're going to go and do our, our own thing. There's people like Ted Turner. He's known as one of the richest guys in the country, the guy who founded CNN. He actually started off his life in a, in a Christian home. He had dreams of becoming a missionary one day. And then when his sister was 12 years old, she got leukemia. Five years later, she passed away, and Ted Turner said, okay, forget that, and ended up walking away from Christianity, walking away from his faith. And to this day, at 78 years old, he still um, refuses to believe. And then there's all the people out there who, who want to believe in God. And maybe you've been a part of this series, and you've been hearing, hearing this evidence, and you've been hearing about how the complexity of life and just... It, it points to intelligent design, and you want to believe that there's a God, but then you, you've got this, this question. You've got this, this, this doubt, this hang-up that's lodged deep down inside, and it usually takes the form of, of, of a question that goes something like this. How can there be pain and suffering in the world? How can a good God allow pain and suffering? Or if there's a God of love, if there's a God of love, why did he let that happen? Why did he ever have to let evil into the picture to begin with? And we've got these questions. The uh, Greek philosopher Epicurus, he put the problem of pain and suffering this way. He said it like this. He said, either God wants to abolish evil and cannot, or he can but does not want to, or he cannot and does not want to. If he wants to but cannot, he is impotent. If he can and does not want to, he is wicked. But if God both can and wants to abolish evil, then how comes evil in the world? You have an all-powerful, loving God, and then you have pain and suffering. How can they both exist? It's this question that a lot of people have. And when you start having conversations with people that aren't, uh, they don't consider themselves Christians, they don't consider themselves believers, they don't consider them themselves religious, and when you start having conversations with people and you start asking them, why not, this is, you're, you're almost inevitably going to end up at this point here where they're going to, they're going to say, well, how can there be a, a, how can there be a good God, an all-powerful God, and, and how, with pain and suffering? How, how does, that, how does that, that work? Another guy, his name was um, Sheldon Benakin, an agnostic man whose wife of 17 years died shortly after they both gave their lives to Christ. And in light of that, in light of just having given their lives to Christ after years of being agnostic, He's, he's wrestling with this problem of, of pain and suffering. And he put it like this. He said, if only villains got broken backs or cancers, if only cheaters and crooks got Parkinson's disease, we should see a sort of celestial justice in the universe. But as it is, a sweet-tempered child gets cancer. 
A happy young wife sees her husband and child killed before her eyes by a broken, a drunken driver, and we soundlessly scream at the stars, why, why? A mention of God, of God's will doesn't help a bit. How can a good God, a loving God do that? How could he even let it happen? And no answer comes from indifferent stars. And this, this problem of pain and suffering, it's not just a philosophical question. It's actually a very real question. There are some of you in the room today, that this, this, is, this isn't philosophy at all. You're, it's a raw issue for you. You have questions in light of the pain and the suffering that maybe you're experiencing or maybe that some of your family's walking through, some of the difficulties that are going on. You, you've got some questions about how does God's goodness and his, his power and pain and suffering, how does that all work? How does that work? Uh, C.S. Lewis was one of the most brilliant minds of the 20th century, and he's been quoted a lot throughout this series because he just was one of these guys that just understood. He, 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 he defended God, and uh, he, he was a very philosophical man, but he was also a guy that experienced pain and suffering on a very personal level. But he, uh, he, he spent a lot of his life actually as an atheist before he began to, to kind of turn around. And one of the things that, that kept him from, from faith in God was this, this problem of pain and suffering. And he wrote it like this. He said, my argument against God was that the universe seemed so cruel and unjust. And so he just kind of spent most of his life just pushing back on God. But then he started to come around. And he said this. He said, but how had I, how had I got this idea of just and unjust? A man does not call a line crooked unless he has some idea of a straight line. What was I comparing this universe with when I called it unjust? In other words, suffering and evil is actually a bigger problem if you don't believe in God because you have to answer the question of where your ideas of good and evil came from in the first place. If there's no God, then there's no way of knowing what's good and what's evil. And we kind of, we spent a lot of time on this last week, so we're not going to hang out here for long this morning. But if there's no God, no one can say, oh, that's evil. No one can say, oh, that's, that's a tragedy, because you have no standard by which to measure what good and evil are. And so abandoning your faith in light of pain and suffering, it actually doesn't solve the problem. Actually, what it does is it, it makes the problem of evil even worse. But the question of human suffering, it still raises some big questions about the character of God. You know, first, is God all-powerful? It's a question that many people have in light of pain and suffering. If God is all-powerful, then how come little boys and girls are losing their lives in this crazy war that's happening in Syria? If God is all-powerful, then how come the Holocaust ever had to happen? If God is all-powerful, he would have saved my son. He would have saved my, my, my marriage. He would have saved my job. If he's all-powerful, he would have stepped in at some point. And I, I get this on a very personal level. I've, I've shared with our church how just in the last few years, my uncle... Um, who's who's in his his 60s? He he was he just had kind of had this big career change in life, and he took over this missions agency and missions um, outreaches in in uh, Guatemala and in Mexico and one in Uganda. He just gotten back from Uganda on this big missions trip. Had only been back for about two weeks, and he suffered this massive stroke. And he's still alive, but he's pretty well had all of his. I mean, he he he's confined to a wheelchair. He can um, barely talk. He can barely, he can barely uh, see because his eyes are just constantly fluttering like that. This stroke just wreaked havoc on his nervous system. And, uh, 
and, and then I've got friends who have died in car accidents, friends that have died from cancer. Um, Becky and I have suffered, uh, have gone through the, the pain and anguish of a, of a miscarriage. I kind of understand a, a bit of, of what this is like. And every time, though, something happens, I, I find myself with this question in the back of my head, God, couldn't you have done something? Couldn't you have stepped in and like, changed things just a little bit? God, could, couldn't you have, have made things different? All throughout Scripture, it, it talks about this all-powerful nature of God, about a God who can do anything. The Bible says, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. And then Jesus comes along, and he's, he makes it really clear, really plain. He says, with God, all things are possible. According to Scripture, God is all-powerful. God is omnipotent. There's nothing that God can't do. So then the question is, well, why then is there evil? Why is there evil? A lot of people conclude, well, God must have created evil because he, he had some kind of grand cosmic plan. Well, that's just a wrong assumption. Just because there's evil doesn't mean that, that God created it. And, and so here's what, i got to get ph- philosophical on you for a few minutes here, okay? So, so hang on tight, all right? Put your thinking caps on. But, but uh, Christianity teaches us that, that God created mankind with this thing called free will. You, you can't even begin to understand and wrap your mind around pain and suffering and evil until you begin to understand this thing called free will. God creates us with the power to choose. If, if, if there were no freedom to choose, there would be no opportunity for there to be love because love, by definition, involves choice. You, you, you choose to love somebody. I can't stand up here and say, you have to love Rich. You have to love me. You have no choice but to love me. That's not love because love, by definition, is something that you, you choose to do. You have free will. You have a choice to love or not to love. And so in the beginning, God comes along and he creates mankind with with free will. And he also creates a world that is completely free of evil. It's it's paradise. There's no evil in the world. And and God, in this world, he longs for the love and the devotion of the men and the women that that he's, he's, he's created. And for it to be loved, though, they have to be given what? They have to be given a choice. And, and to love or not to love. To love and, and to follow God and be devoted to God and to God's way and who he is. Or to not love and go their own way. And, and that would be, that's where sin comes into the, the picture. But God didn't, he didn't create evil. Instead, he created, you put it like this, he created the possibility for evil. It was the only way that we could truly and freely love him. If you remove hu- human free will... You don't have humans anymore, you, you have robots. If you do not have the possibility of evil, you have no choice and no room for love to grow and flourish. But we all know how the story goes, right? Like, mankind chose not to go God's way, they chose instead to go their own way, to do things their way, and as a result, evil comes into the picture, and catastrophic suffering enters into the world. To which some might say, and maybe you're, you're sitting there this morning, trying to wrap your mind around this, and you're going, well, why doesn't God just stop all evil and suffering? Why doesn't God just come along and say, okay, enough is enough. I'm just going to put an end to all evil, all pain, all suffering right here. Well, here's the deal. He chooses not to. 
And why that is, I don't fully know. I don't, we'll never figure that out this side of eternity. But, but part of the reason he chooses not to actually has to do with his mercy. It has to do with his mercy. It's a paradox that a merciful God allows suffering to continue. But in his mercy, he allows it to, con- to continue. And the, uh, a guy named Paul Little, who's way smarter than me, he, he put it like this. He said, if God were to stamp out evil today, he would do a complete job. His action would have to include our lies and personal impurities, our lack of love, and our failure to do good. Suppose God were to decree that at midnight tonight, all evil would be removed from the universe. Who of us would still be here after midnight? And so in his mercy, God, not willing that any should perish, he allows it to continue. There's a second question that suffering raises about the character of God, and that's this one. First is, is God all-powerful? And the second, is God good? Is God good? Again, you don't have to read very far in the Bible before it, d- it declares emphatically that God is good. In the book of Psalms, it says this, The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. It doesn't say he's, he's good to some. It doesn't say he's just good to those he likes. It says he's good, to, he's good to all. And then later on in Psalms, it says, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is what? He's good. His love endures forever. To which we object, well, if God is all-powerful, if God is good, he would, he would intervene in my situation. He wouldn't allow any suffering at all to happen. And every, every person who, who is faced with suffering will at some point and on some level ask the purpose of it. They want to know, okay, where's God in all this? What, what's going on? Where is God in suffering? And, and just to be honest this morning, there are a lot of questions about, about pain and suffering that, that we'll never have fully answered this side of heaven, which may sound like a bit of a cop-out for some in this room, but you've got to understand, at, at some point, faith and trust has to come into the picture. But what I find most helpful when it comes to pain and suffering in light of an all-powerful, good God What I find most helpful in the middle of that is to see how the Bible answers the question, where is God in suffering? Not why. We we can try to wrap our mind around the why, but we'll never really have a, a fully satisfied answer as to the why. But when it comes to the question of where is God in suffering, the Bible actually gives a very clear picture of where God is in our suffering. First of all, we see from Scripture that God walks with us in our suffering. He walks with us. He walks with us. You're here this morning, and you're going through something, you're going through something painful, something, something difficult, something challenging, or you know somebody that is, you need to know something. God walks with us in our suffering. He, he walks with us. And, and every time we go through something, if you're anything like me, you're tempted to just believe the lies of the enemy is whispering in your ear. You're going through something difficult, and you start to believe the lie that, okay, you're going through that because God just abandoned you. God doesn't really care. You've made too many mistakes. You've, you've, you've just have done too many things wrong. So God has just decided to just kind of up and leave. That is not the truth. That is not true. Scripture says it like this. It says, it says even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. And here's why. For you are with me. You're with me. 
And this morning, I can't give you a definitive answer as to why God takes away some people's pain and suffering, but he doesn't take away other people's pain and suffering. I can't give you a definitive answer to that, but one thing I can is give you a definitive answer to the question of where God is in your suffering. And the answer to that question is he's right beside you. He's right there with you. He's walking through whatever it is that you're going through. He's walking through that with you. Next, we see from Scripture that God works in us through our suffering. He works in us. In uh, the book of, of 1 Peter the Apostle Peter is writing a letter to a group of, of, of Christians who were having to endure an incredible amount of pain and suffering. And in this book, he writes these words. He says, in all this, so in all the, all the pain and all the suffering, you greatly rejoice. Though now for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of troubles. So he's, he's talking to them about the grief that, and the, the, the troubles and the trials and the suffering and the pain that they're having to walk through. And just before we read the rest of that, I want you to understand something about the pain and the suffering that this church is going through. Paul is not referring to them having toothaches or getting inconvenient flat tires on the way into work. That's not the kind of pain he's talking about. The, the people that he's talking to here, the early church is having to, do, having to endure some of the worst kind of pain and suffering. They have to, they're enduring things like, like verbal abuse. And this is just from what's recorded in Scripture. A seizure of property, beatings, murder plots, getting stoned, not the Washington State kind of stoned. This is the, the bad kind of stone. Um, unjust arrests and imprisonments, exile, and even execution. They're having to endure some pretty serious pain and suffering. And Peter is not writing them to say, hey, just so you know, it's about to all come to an end. He's not writing them to say, okay, if you guys just grab a hold of the right the right Christian cliche here, in the middle of your suffering, you'll be able to get, get through it. You know, if God brings me to it, God will bring me through it. If God brings me to it, God will bring me through it. That's not even actually true. Most of these people, not, I don't know how, exactly how many, but some of these people who Peter is writing to here in this, this passage, passage of Scripture very likely ended up losing their lives because of their faith. A lot of the early church, their lives came to an end in the Roman Colosseum at the hands of lions, well, I guess the paws, but of, of lions and of, of gladiators. And Paul's writing them saying, hey, um, you can greatly rejoice in this. And why, how can he say that? Well, he goes on to say something that's important for them and that's important for us today. He writes this. He said, these have come, so these trials, they've come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. And what Peter's essentially saying is this. Don't use your suffering, don't use your pain as a reason to abandon your faith, but instead allow your suffering to strengthen your faith. It's being tested, it's being refined like in a fire being purified through that and it's not that it's not that God causes our suffering or that that suffering is inherently good but on some level something that we all have to come to grasp to, to grips with is that that God allows our, our suffering to happen and he promises us though that if we're connected with him he'll use it for our good a passage of scripture that if you've been around the church any length of time you've heard 
but it's a passage of scripture that the Christians throughout all the centuries have used to just kind of hang on tightly to God and find hope in the middle of suffering is Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And it says this, it says, We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. God works things together for our good, for those that love God. Now, quick side note here, because a lot of times I've, I've seen this happen where, where well-meaning Christians will come alongside of somebody who's going through some incredible grief, maybe they just lost a loved one, or they're going through incredible suffering, and they'll say, hey, it's going to be okay, God's going to work through it for your good, and just try to slap a, the bumper sticker, Christian bumper sticker answer on it. If you have a friend who's going through it in life, is really just suffering on a deep, deep level, what they need from you more than anything else is for you just to show up, be present, love them, care for them, walk alongside of them, and not come along and just try to figure it all out and slap a, slap a Christian answer on it. Don't do that. Be a faithful, faithful friend instead. But God, he works through our suffering to grow us, to mature us, to sharpen us, to make us what, what we would never be without our suffering. A writer named David Watson, he just, just before he died, he wrote this. He said, when you, when you crush lavender, you find its full fragrance. When you, when you squeeze an orange, you extract its sweet juice. In the same way, it is often through pain and hurts that we develop the fragrance and the sweetness of Jesus in our lives. And what, what this writer is saying is that, you know, what if God's plan is not to save you from your suffering, not to pull you out of that, but what if his plan is to empower you to walk through it? What if your suffering goes beyond you? What if God wants to show the world around you just how good he is, that you can still worship him and praise him in the midst of, of suffering, that you can still have this inexplicable joy and hope in the midst of, of suffering? And then maybe somebody here is going, okay, well, what about the rest of us that aren't Christians? What about those who suffer that aren't connected with Christ? What, what about us? Is our suffering without purpose? Is it just completely arbitrary? Well, the answer is, is kind of, it's a yes and a no. You know, in one sense, the Bible, it, it doesn't give any promise um, for, the, for the unbeliever about purpose in the midst of suffering. But if you're open, though, if you're if you're open to, to God, your suffering can be something that actually pushes you into the greatest good in your life. It can be something that pushes you in to Jesus. It pushes you into him. C.S. Lewis, he said it like this. He said, God whispers in our pleasures. He speaks in our conscience, but he shouts in our pain. It is, a, it is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. And if you let it, your suffering can push you into the goodness of Christ. It can push you into the life that he wants to bring, the hope, the peace that he wants to bring. In Christianity, God shows us that God, it shows us that God doesn't just walk with us in our suffering or, or he doesn't just work through it. He doesn't just awaken us through our suffering. But the gospel tells us that God actually empathizes with our suffering. He empathizes with us. He knows what it's like to suffer because he suffered himself. He suffered greatly. See, here, here's one of the objections that people typically have when it comes to God and suffering. They say, okay, if God is not intervening in our suffering, that must mean that he's just indifferent to our suffering. If he's not going to intervene, 
that must mean that he doesn't really care about the pain and the suffering that we're having to go through. But he does care, and, and we know that he, he cares because he actually suffered himself. He, was a, 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 he came to earth, and as he's on earth, he suffers. The Bible puts it like this. He was despised and rejected by mankind. A man of what? Jesus was a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Of all the religions in the world, only Christianity says that God, in the person of Jesus, he became vulnerable and subject to suffering and death for a world full of people who had rejected him. Only in Christianity does it, 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 it reveal a God who intimately knows the intense and horrifying nature of suffering. Only in Christianity. He was rejected. He was persecuted, persecuted, and then as he's, he's being led to the cross, and as he's hanging on the cross, he, he experiences incredible suffering. He ex- experiences this, the suffering, the same kind of stuff that we, we walk through. If you're here this morning and you've experienced the pain of racial discrimination and racial injustice, God knows that because on the cross, he, he faced that full on. If you've ever been mistreated and faced abuse, He knows what that's like because he faced the most brutal, physical, emotional, and verbal abuse on the cross. If you've ever walked through the pain of having close friends betray you, he knows what that's like. If you've ever lost a loved one on the cross, the the, the father willingly gives up his son to die for the sins of the world. If you've ever been under stress and anxiety that's so overwhelming it feels like it's going to crush you, he knows what that's like. If you've ever found yourself in a place where you're walking through pain and suffering and you find yourself looking up to the heavens, screaming out, God, why is this? Why, Why am I going through this right now? Where are you, God, in the middle of all this? He knows what that's like because Jesus, as he's hanging on the cross, he looks to the heavens and says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? On the cross, we see Jesus completely innocent of any wrongdoing, being, being nailed to a tree, being left to die, and it was just, it was ultimate injustice, the worst kind of death. God has suffered everything we have suffered and so much more. He's taken the sin and the suffering of the world upon himself. And in light of all that, how can we not stand back and go, and go, okay, God is a good God. He's a good God. It's more, though, than just God walking with us in suffering, working through suffering, It's more than God suffering with us. The Bible actually talks about how God saves us from suffering. He saves us from suffering. And though you're going, okay, now wait a second, Rich. I I thought you just said that God, he allows our suffering, he allows it to happen. Well, he actually comes along and he saves us. he, he, He rescues us from the worst suffering of all. Imagine for a second, if you can, imagine what it would be like for life to have no joy for life to have no love in it, to have no peace. Imagine the absence of everything noble, everything true, everything right. Imagine the absence of that in life. Well, all those things, God is all those things. All those things are present because of God. And because of our sin, we, we rightfully deserve to be, to be away and separated from God. But, but Jesus does something about that. He doesn't just see this problem of us in our sin and a holy God over here in the separation. He doesn't just see that and then just stand back and go, okay, well, 
mankind chose to do things their way, and so they're, I'm just going to leave them to figure it out on the, their, their own. I'm going to just leave them to their own devices. He doesn't do that. Instead, he walks in, and he makes, he makes a way for us to know him, not just here in this life, but eternally. He's made a way for us to, to be saved from life apart from God. He saves us from the worst kind of suffering of all. The Bible puts it like this, for he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. See, in Jesus, we have this all-powerful, good God who works through our suffering, who suffers with us and has rescued us from the ultimate suffering that really we've, we've brought on ourselves. Is God good? The answer is yes, he is a good God. Is God all-powerful? Yes, he is an all-powerful God. Is there suffering for now? Yes, there is. And God meets us in the middle of it. God, in the, in the worst of it, in the worst of it, he weeps with us, he grieves with us, he walks alongside of us. And, and knowing he did this for us and that there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God, when we put our faith and trust in Jesus... It empowers us to serve, to suffer with hope. It empowers us to grieve with hope. It empowers us to go through the difficulties of this life. Not with despair, not with this, this, this is the end, this is it for me. It empowers us to go through it with hope. Knowing that, the, that one day he's going to make all things new. Knowing that one day he's going to heal the brokenhearted. And the Bible says he's going to wipe every tear from our eyes. When you know Jesus, in light of all the suffering and the difficulty and the pain of this world, you're able to endure it with great hope. And this morning, what I'd love to do just to wrap up our time together is spend some time reflecting on the cross. Because in the cross, we see, we, we see a God who suffers with us. You know, when, when, when people ask about pain and suffering, you know, one of the best things that you can br- to bring them back to is the cross. When they're asking questions about, about God and how, how there can be pain and suffering with, with God being great and all-powerful, one of the best things you can do is bring people back to the cross. Because God is not indifferent. God steps on the scene and he, he suffers with us and he makes a way for us to know him. And so this morning as we take communi- communion, we're going to actually... Just take some time to remember all that, that God has done for us. God relates to our suffering by, by not coming along and just conquering it with some big massive blow. He comes along and he relates to our suffering by coming along and suffering with us. He suffers with us. And he conquers, he conquers ultimately, he conquers evil by, by, by suffering. And so at the front of the church and at the back of the church, we have a couple tables. They have some juice and they have some crackers. The juice symbolizes Jesus' blood that was shed for us. The crackers symbolize his body that was broken for us. And how we're going to do this, we actually kind of do it pretty informally around here at CTK. Um, in a minute, we're going to sing a song. And as we sing the song, you're welcome to come to the front and to the back. And um, it's kind of, kind of messy and kind of chaotic, but we're totally okay with that. And uh, as you take it, you can take it up here at the front. You can take it back to your seat. But at some point as we sing this song, I'm going to invite you to come and do this. But before, before we take part, I would love to lead us this morning in a prayer.
So would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you so much that you are a God who is, who is familiar with our suffering. Lord, we don't have to this morning, Lord, question whether or not you're indifferent when it comes to pain and suffering. God, the cross forever erased that question. God, you, you care deeply, so deeply that you did something you didn't have to do and that you stepped down off of your throne in heaven. You came in, into humanity. You, you made yourself one of us. And Lord, you suffered just pain that was just so great that we'll, we'll never fully comprehend what it was that you suffered. And you did that because you loved us, because you, you, you cared so, so deeply for each one of us. And you wanted us, you wanted to make a way for us to know you. And I thank you so much for all that you did in the cross. And Father, I just wanted to take some time this morning, God, to lift up the person here this morning who, God, this is just really hitting home because they're in a place where they're going through it in life. Lord, they're, they're, they're suffering greatly. And God, they walked in here this morning with that question, God, either on their lips or at least buried, buried inside where they're wondering, okay, how can there be a good God, an all-powerful God, and, and, and here I am going through all of this. Father, I pray this morning that God, as, as we take communion, that God, it would just be a reminder to them that God, you care, that God, you understand, that God, you're walking right alongside of them, that God, you haven't abandoned them, that God, you are, you are intimately involved in every single detail of the suffering and the pain that they're going through right now. And God, you care. You're full of compassion for them. God, I pray as, as we look to the cross, that God, that would just be so true for that person this morning who's, who's questioning your goodness in light of their pain and their suffering. And Father, I pray that, that Lord, we would just be reminded all over again this morning just how good you are, how great your love is. That, God, there's nothing that can separate us from the love of Christ. There's nothing that can get in the way of your love for us. And, God, I pray that that, that would just be a, a, God, a fresh, God, truth for us this morning as we take part in communion. God, I pray all these things in your name. Amen. Amen.